My name is Chris. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace. And uh, one of the other things I get to do that I really like doing is uh, the men's ministry. And so I do want to do a, a plug for just a minute. We got some great stuff coming in 2020 for the men here at Grace. So if you get invited or if somebody asks you to step outside of your comfort zone, I pray you would really think about that. Shameless plug there, but anyway. So one of the other things I get to do is I get to hang out with my wife, Katie, and we do the Connect Ministry together here at Grace. And yes, woo-woo for Katie. So, but one of the things that Katie and I are really known for is we're like really these hipster type people. Why am I laughing so hard? Well, like we're really pretty hip and cool, and we stay up on all these trends and stuff. And one of the cool hip things we got to do this year in 2019 was we did these retro picks, and some of you may not know about that, but, but we decided, because retro's cool now again, all my clothes I kept back in style. So we're going to put that up there, Eric. Yes. <laughs> that dolphin shirt was $2. But yeah, I don't even know where the dog came from. He just was there, and I said, he looks cool. And he seems pretty hip. And then the lady, she's like taking her pictures. She's like, man, you guys are cray-cray fresh. Like, this is totes adorable. She's like, I bet your family does everything, hundo P. I'm like, yes, yes, we do. And then I got to the car. I was like, what does that mean, Katie? And so because we're so hip and we're on this trendy stuff, there's something new that we notice that's really like on the height of the Christian hipster world right now. So Eric, you thought up there for us? Right here, yes. People are, are getting this tattooed on their bodies. I don't know where else you get it tattooed, but like on their eco cars, people hipsters are wearing it on their shirts. It's, it's like the height of the Christian world right now. The hipsters, they, they all know about this. I'm surprised more of you aren't wearing it. But anyway, uh, you know, what, but what does it all mean? It means that God is greater than our highs and lows. Our God is greater then our ups and downs. And for many of you, that in a nutshell may sum up your whole walk with God. And for some of you, it may sum up this, like, this year of the Bible that we've been going through here at Grace. So some of you may have came on Christmas Eve and you saw the drums and the sticks were flaming and flying. And Tommy was up here, the lead pastor, wearing his, his sports coat. And now you're here this morning you're like, is this a weird internet date or something? But anyway... But no matter where you're at, whether you've read the whole Bible this year, whether you read a verse or you just happened to come here and now you're back and you're like, what is going on? No matter what happens, we're all getting ready to do some celebrating pretty soon. And some of us are going to celebrate that 2019 was a great year. It was this year of highs. It was this year of prosperity and health and wealth. And it was just this great year. And for some of you, 2019 was probably one of the greatest years of your life. And then for some of you, you're going to celebrate that 2019 is over. Like, because 2019 was rough. It was like a season of loss and heartache and pain and struggle. And for you, 2019 was this year of lows. And you're going to celebrate that that thing is done. But no matter kind of where you're at right now, we can all celebrate one thing. And that's, so if you started reading the Bible and you got stuck in Leviticus, or if you're here today for the first time and you've only read one verse in your whole life, or some of you don't even own a Bible, it doesn't really matter. We can all celebrate this together. And that's the fact that this house has spent more time reading God's Word than ever before. Congratulations. I mean, that's exciting. And that's something to celebrate, and it's something that is worthy of celebration. And no matter how you feel about 2019, 
through year of the Bible, all of us here have learned the truth through God's word. And that is, is that God is greater than the highs and lows in our life. That God is greater than the highs and lows in our life. God's truth, God's faithfulness, God's mercy, God's grace, God's character, they all are greater. They all withstand. They withstand these times we might pridefully take credit for some of the good things in our life and think, man, we deserve this. I earn this. When, when God's grace and mercy are all over that kind of stuff. Or, or they, God's character withstands when we have these times of questioning and these times of doubt. And we're like, God, do you even know what's going on in my life, God, anymore? Do you even know, God? Do you even care? So over the past year, as many of you have read God's word, you've probably experienced some ups and downs in reading God's word. And so some of you, hopefully, you found some hope in the story of Genesis and in the fact that within this story, the first thing God does is he gives mankind a choice. Like he lets you decide whether or not you want a relationship with him. God allows you to choose whether or not you want God in your life. You can choose this relationship. And we see this choice, this, abil this ability to choose a relationship with God or to not choose a relationship with God woven throughout the entire Bible. And we find this out as we read God's word over the year is that God desires to, us to choose a relationship with him is greater than his desire to just make us mindless robots. And so some of you, maybe, maybe you found joy and in the story of Genesis, and you saw this pursuing God who's always looking for us. He's always looking and pursuing us. Even when Adam and Eve, when they sinned and fell short and messed up in the garden, God goes looking for them. We see God in some of the first words of the Bible. He's looking for Adam and Eve. And then when we fall short and we mess up, God is always pursuing and God is always looking and God is always ready to welcome us home. And we see this pursuing God woven throughout the entire Bible. God's acceptance and God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's grace, they will always be greater than our sin. And so some of you may have found like peace in the story of Saul, who would later become known as the disciple Paul. And in the fact that, man, this guy's life was a wreck and his life was jacked up. And yet God, he has this encounter with Jesus because God is pursuing him and his life has changed forever. And throughout this year we've seen that this pursuing God has a plan for our lives that this God has a bigger plan for all of our lives a greater plan and God's plan has been for mankind to be saved through grace and through faith in Jesus Christ Jesus Christ was always going to be God's answer God's greater answer. And we see this unconditional love of God, of God's grace through Jesus woven throughout the entire Bible as well. And then some of you probably got confused in the book of Genesis. I'm using Genesis because this would be truthful. That's where a lot of us got hung up. But anyway, so a lot of us, we were reading through Genesis and we're reading about the garden. We're like, How did this snake get in the garden? Things just got good, God. What's going on here? And why do I have to suffer from these two people's sin? Why do I have to suffer the consequences of that? And then maybe some of you were disturbed by the story of Noah. And you find yourself asking, like, why, God? Why, why do you choose to save this family, God, and not the rest of your creation, God? What's going on? And we find these disturbing and confusing words and themes woven throughout the entire Bible. All these highs and all these lows woven throughout God's word. 
But then in wrestling with all these stories and, and really trying to seek and to understand the bigger picture, we see that God uses everything for a greater purpose, that God uses everything to bring him glory. And if you made it all the way from Genesis to Jude without being confused, then you should be amazed because that's some really hard stuff. I mean, it's some really difficult things to understand. And then we get to Revelation, and Revelation is like has all this, sim all this symbolism and imagery, and, and, and you're like, what is going on, God? And at some point in our walk with God, we're going to feel like John does in Revelation chapter 10. And this is where we pick up the story. So then John, he hears a voice from heaven, and it spoke to him once more, and it says, Go, take the little scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel that is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and, and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. And it tasted sweet in my mouth, but when it got to my stomach, it turned it sour. I mean, and for many of us, that kind of describes our, our whole life with God. And then, then for the, the rest of us, it kind of sums up our experience with year of the Bible and reading through this year of the Bible. Because some of these words that we've read, they've been so sweet, like salvation and mercy and forgiveness and, and just this grace and mercy and love. And, and then we read these words where, where one day there's going to be a day with no more sadness and no more tears and no more pain and no more loss. I mean, those are some sweet words. And then some of the words that we read, like they're upsetting to us. And, and we read this in Revelation 16 that God's wrath is going to be poured out on the world like a wine press. I mean, that should be disturbing and upsetting. And then there's, there's this part where we have to realize that some people are going to be separated from God forever. And I mean, that should make our stomachs sour. That should make us upset. That should make us want to do more than we've ever done before if we really believe what we say we believe. And as we bring the year of the Bible to a close, I mean, this is our reality. This is where we're at. But the reality is we've had all these highs and all these lows in reading God's word. But this is where we're at. I mean, what do you do with all the words in this Bible? Did you know in the NIV edition there are over 730,000 words in the NIV edition of the Bible? So if any of you read this whole thing, good job. But for those of you that read this whole thing and that did any extra studying at all, do you know you've read almost a million words this year? A million words inspired by God. Listen to what Hebrews has to say about the word of God. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God is saying in Hebrews that this word, this word right here, is alive and it's active. This word is alive and active, and anything that's alive and active can change your life. Except for maybe a teenager staggering down the hall at four in the morning. But anything else that's alive and active can impact your life. But God's saying through his word that he's been trying to communicate with us all year. He said, I'm trying to talk to you. And some of these words, when we read them, they've been so sweet and so amazing. And they've been these highs, and some of these words, have been, they've been hard to digest and to understand. They've been these lows. 
But the bigger picture is that God is greater and that God and his word are the one constant and unchanging and unwavering thing in this volatile world of ups and downs in which we live today. I mean, how many of you ever wanted to go and hang out with somebody famous? Like where you call and you get a front row seat to their concert at like a moment's notice or to their show and you could just hang out with them and then they would even want to go out and eat with you after the show and the other people would be standing in line and, and they're paying money to sit in cheap seats and they got their binoculars and they're like looking at you on the front row and they're envious. They're envious of this relationship that you have with this person. They're envious because, man, I would give anything to be down there on that front row. And they're envious and jealous of this relationship. Well, God, the creator of the universe, through his word, through year of the Bible, has given you a direct access pass to him. And this wasn't just like a VIP pass for one year. No, you can, you can have this pass next year. You can have this pass anytime you want it. God has so much more to say to you, say to you through his word in 2020. Because God has so much more he wants to communicate to each of us through his word in 2020. God wants to show you just how much greater he really is. I dare you to give him a chance. But throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see this story of God's salvation plan woven in through the scriptures. And yes, this plan had some crazy highs. And yes, this plan had some crazy lows. But the bigger picture, the biggest, bigger purpose is that God is always greater. That God's plan is always greater. Here's one of the coolest things to me about all this. Is that God chose to write us into the story. God chose to write each and every person into this unfolding salvation story for the world. If you don't leave here today with one thing, leave here with this. Don't let the enemy take this from you. God has written you into the story. God has taken you and he's written you into the story. I mean, just take John, for instance, the writer of Revelation. And so John, he's written into this story, and he really has this, this crazy part where he's at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And, and during this, Jesus looks down to John, and he says, John, I want you to view my mother Mary as your mother. And, and he says, Mary, I want you to view John as your son. And so if anyone had access to the actual birth narrative, it, it was probably John. I mean, he traveled around with Mary for several years. And, and, and man, imagine how popular this dynamic duo would be when they would go somewhere like tell us the story about Jesus tell us about Jesus tell us the story John tell us the story Mary Mary I mean he would have heard this story hundreds of times and so if anyone had access to this narrative it was probably John and when John sits down to write this story he doesn't begin with shepherds he doesn't begin with camels or wise men no he doesn't begin with any of that or the manger he doesn't start with any of those things and John 1 1 through 5 he starts about talking about how the word of God became flesh in his life. He says this. He says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never overcome it. And so John, I mean, just think about this. He's sitting down, and he's thinking about all these experiences, and he's thinking about all these things that he's experienced with Jesus, and he's thinking about all these things that he's seen Jesus do. And John writes this. He says, Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the word of God. 
And then we see John, he was the one who raced to the tomb the day that he heard the tomb was empty and that the body of Jesus had been stolen. And John gets to the tomb first, but he doesn't go inside that tomb. He beats Peter, but he doesn't want to go in there and find out that Jesus is not the light of the world. And so he stands there, and then the tomb was empty. And for a moment, I mean, at least for a moment, his faith was, was probably shaken some. For a moment, he had to have some doubt. For a moment, because, because everything he thought he knew and everything that he thought he believed in was turned upside down. And then just a few short paragraphs later, we read these sweet words where John is sitting on the beach with his risen Savior. And he's having breakfast with the light of the world. He sees the word of God become flesh in his life. And then finally, near the end of his life, John was even ordered to be boiled in oil because he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he wouldn't quit telling people about Jesus. And so they tried to boil him in order. And many of the history books and stuff, they tell us that John didn't suffer any harm from this. That he wouldn't even die. And they finally got tired of messing with John and they exile him to the island of Patmos. And I have to believe at some point John's on this island and he's thinking about all these highs that he's experienced with Jesus. He's remembering this time he was certain that the word of God became flesh in his life. And he's living through all these miracles that he saw Jesus do. And he's living through all this happiness and all, these, all this joy, all these highs, all these sweet things. Man, and then at the same time, he's like, got all this heartache. I mean, all of his friends are gone. Everyone he loves, he don't know, he doesn't know about them. And he's wondering, he's like, what's going on, God? And he's got all these stomach turning, churning experiences that he's trying to digest. And he's like, all these lows that he's experienced with Jesus. And then maybe you're here today, and that's kind of where you're at. You're like, how do I make sense of all this, God? How do I make sense of all these highs and lows, God? Like, how do I make sense of all these ups and downs? And still live our lives in a way that is meaningful and purposeful. I mean, what's it all about, God? Why even keep trying? Well, through Revelation, we get an answer of what John did. Of how he chose to make sense of all this craziness. I mean, John had some ups and downs. And this is one of the first things that John writes on the island of Patmos. While he's in exile for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. And it says to him, him being Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest. Everyone in here, God has designed you, he's written into this story, to be a kingdom and a priest for this purpose, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. John is saying, in spite of all these highs and all these lows, John's like, I still believe. I still believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He believes that it is in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone that true happiness and true life can be found. John's saying, I believe that it is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone that deserves glory and honor and power. After all these highs and lows. I mean, just think about it for a moment. One minute, he's on this beach, and he's sad because he thinks his Savior has died. And then the next minute, he's having breakfast with his risen Savior, with the light of the world, with Jesus. And then years later, he's over his, li over his life, and he's on this beach again. And tears probably running down his face. I mean, this is a super difficult time in John's life. And he sees Jesus again. And Jesus says this to him in Revelation 1, 17 and 18. 
Jesus is like, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, John, I am alive forevermore. And he said, I hold the keys to death and Hades. Jesus is like, don't you remember when we had breakfast together? Jesus is like, don't you remember I'm the living one? He's like, John, don't you remember the day I became flesh in your life? And then in Revelation 5, Jesus says this to John and to all of us here today. He says, he who is seated on the throne, this is Jesus, said to me, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, John, for these words are trustworthy and these words are true. Jesus said, my words, they're trustworthy and they're true. Jesus says, everything I told John to write down is trustworthy and it's true. And Jesus says, all 730,000 words in this book, they're trustworthy and they're true. I mean, if we can just start right now using the faith that we have. So if you got the mustard seed faith, then start using what faith you have. If you got the, the mustard plant tree faith, then start using that faith wherever you're at in that spectrum. If you could just start using that faith that you have right now, God promises that you will start to see the words of God become flesh in your life in 2020. God promises that you will start to see his plan, his unfolding plan, his unfolding salvation story for your life. But I mean, this is our chance today. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with these 730,000 words? I mean, are we going to become life? Are we going to use these words and become flesh to people that have never experienced these words before? Are we just going to lay them down and walk away and say, I've done enough. I've invited enough people to church. I've done enough. But we can choose today to start living out these words. We can choose today to start living out our part in the greatest story ever told you can start today don't let the enemy steal this from you today don't let him take this from you you were written into the story for a purpose god has a greater plan and so katie and i we've seen we've seen these words of god become flesh in our life we've seen people here at grace they've encountered the risen savior and their lives start to change forever and we see these people and they choose to start living out the words of god and we see these people and they keep coming to church even when everybody else in their family stops and they keep coming to church because they believe that god has something greater for them and we see these people they start making these hard decisions they start making serving and giving a priority in their life even when it's super inconvenient and these people they step out and they join a small group and their lives are slowly start to change forever and they start to believe that God actually has a part for them in his unfolding story for the world and these people they're willing to endure these ups and downs because they believe that God's plan for their life is greater and these people, they keep doing all this because they want to see more people written into the story, written into the greatest story ever told telling you we've seen it katie and i we've seen it we've seen it we've seen lives resurrected here at grace we've seen families restored here at grace we've seen addictions broken here at grace we've seen marriages healed here at grace we've seen young people make these crazy hard life decisions to go against culture now so that they can have a greater life later we've seen it we've seen people step up and serve like never before we've seen it 
We see people and they want to start living out their part in God's unfolding salvation story for the world. We've seen it. We're like, God, I don't know if this marriage can make it, God. God, But we've seen these people pressing to God and to their word. And we see this marriage change. And we see these words of God become flesh in our life. We see these people with addiction. like, man, God, I just don't know if they can beat this addiction, God. And then we see them pressing to God and his word. And we see the words of God become flesh in our life. Telling you, we've seen it. And so, as we go into 2020, what's your part going to be in the story? Who will be written into this story because of you? Whose life can you change by deciding that I'm going to start living out these words? I'm going to make these words flash to other people. I'm going to do that, God. I'm going to do it in 2020. I'm going to learn about your word. I'm going to study more than ever before. Because here's what we know. In 2020, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows, but our God is always going to be greater. Amen?